Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm Linda. I'm Seth. I'm Jenna. I'm Chris. And uh, as we um, are nearing the end of the year, we thought we might uh, take a little side journey here and kind of talk about some uh, end of the world movies. Uh, specifically, we want to talk about the uh, recent uh, Finch movie that's out. And um, for those of you that haven't seen it, uh, I'll just give you a, a sort of a, a simple two-sentence synopsis here. Uh, it's about um, uh, this robot uh, that lives on a post-apocalyptic Earth, which was built to protect the life of his dying creator's beloved dog. And uh, throughout the story, the robot... Um, you know, we see the robot brought to life and then he uh, has to learn about love, friendship and uh, the meaning of life. Uh, basically, and trust. what and trust, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, uh, through the eyes of Finch, because he's the only other human that we see uh, in the show other than a flashback. Uh, yeah, well, and I guess maybe the, the people in the car, but we'll, we can get into that later. So anyway, I think all of us have seen Finch, except for probably Jenna. Oh, you haven't have. seen it? Oh, my no. God. Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> right. Well, no, that's all right. I was just... Fine. Yeah, it's, it's a... I, I think I told you in a previous week, I'm not sure I want to watch this movie because either they're going to kill the dog or they're going to kill the robot. <laughs> and I'm not emotionally good with either of those right now. So. Well, you'll be pleasantly surprised what we have to say about that. Right, right. So... Uh, yeah, so so uh, the show opens and we see this uh, Tom Hanks character of uh, Finch. Uh, he's a former uh, mechanical electrical electrical engineer guy. He works for this large uh, uh, firm that um, is pretty much um, responsible for building a lot of these. Um, solar windmills that you see all over the countryside that are you know collecting wind turning wind energy into power right mm -hmm. and um so when we catch up with finch uh it's about 10 years after um there's been this giant solar flare that pretty much stripped off the earth's protective uh ozone layer and um is allowing through ultraviolet radiation, which pretty much sterilizes most of the planet, uh, kills uh, most of the, all the plants and animals. And um, we see at one point Finch trying to educate his robot into how fragile uh, humans and his dog are in this new world. And Finch uh, takes off his glove and sticks it out from the shadow of this garage canopy into the sun and you see the sun just start to uh, cook his hand uh, from the ultraviolet radiation it just starts smoking and um, so 
you learn real quick that this is not an environment where you go out unprotected. And in fact, uh, when he goes out uh, into this environment, he wears uh, pretty much the equivalent uh, of a NASA spacesuit, not quite as big and bulky, but he's got the helmet, the oxygen, the whole thing. And um, he has a small little robot he <laughs> takes with him and they basically go out on missions and he goes through and he checks buildings and tries to um, collect supplies that he brings back to this um, underground facility he's living in that um, actually has power uh, because it's at the base of one of these giant windmills. And uh, so he's living there with he and his dog, uh, but uh, he uh, is sick and it looks like maybe he has cancer because we see mm -hmm. it's certain points his nose bleeding and he's got some books on ionizing radiation and what that does to the human body so um he realizes he's not going to be around long and so he builds a robot to care for his dog and um we see through a flashback um midway through the movie uh, as to how he came into possession of the dog uh and uh, that's kind of an interesting story there and provides um, a lot of the, the reason behind his love of the dog and why he wants to care for it so much, I think. What'd you think, Chris? Was that? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It, it provides reason for why he is in love with the dog and why he doesn't trust people. Right. And uh, so he goes through um, this, this journey with the robot and the dog um, not trusting in people, wanting to avoid people. There's, there's even a scene where he's, you know, kind of talking to himself and the dog and the robots. Where, where should we go? Right. We have to leave where we're at because there's a, there's a big storm coming. And when that storm gets here, it's going to be here for 40 days or something like that as the estimate. So he can't stay where he's at. He doesn't have that kind of time. And he's looking at the map and, and he's talking to himself. Well, we can go here. That's no good. We could go here. But that, that place is probably okay, which, you know what that means? That means there's people there, and people are no good. So we can't go there. Um, so this the story, um, spoiler alerts, by the way, um, centers around, uh, the, there's a flashback, and it also explains where he gets this gun. But uh, he was searching for food in the store, and uh, he heard somebody, and uh, it was a, a mother and a little girl that had... Um, the shotgun uh, also been shopping for food right putting stuff in a cart well before they leave uh somebody else pulls up in the car uh an argument ensues and you hear nothing but gunfire and presumably everybody dies right there um and when uh tom hanks finally comes out of hiding uh to check and see what happened during this mini massacre over food um he finds the dog in a, in a backpack and the um it's just a the uh you know, just a pup at the time. Uh, so he takes the pup with him. And that's also where we come to find out that he also gets the gun that he has. Mm. Um, it's the same gun. So, um, which is the one the little girl had. So it was, it's pretty tragic, but it explains his lack of trust in people. Uh, and also, like you mentioned, Bill, why, why, uh, why he loves the dog so much. So, yeah. and he kind of, uh, he was really um, crushed by that, that mm -hmm. attack and that little girl that got got killed and shot there and almost felt responsible because he didn't try to do anything to stop it. But of course, right. had he tried, he would have been killed as well. Mm -hmm. uh, 
So it was kind of like a survivor's guilt kind of a thing. Yeah, he always viewed himself as a coward. Yeah, and so I think he viewed his saving that dog as a way of trying to make amends for the fact Mm. that he didn't do anything to stop that that, uh, murder uh, happening. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the... um, the robot is definitely one of my favorite characters in the movie. And even though it's a robot and it's got um, uh, a static face, um, Linda, I don't know if you can put up a picture of that robot again, um, but that robot is played with such emotion uh, by the actor. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's really amazing. I mean, just the, the posture and the way the robot moves. And I mean, you can, you can just see the, the emotion in him mm-hmm. uh, constantly throughout the show and, uh, how he, he is, uh, so devoted to Finch, but in so many, uh, ways, he's like a little kid because he doesn't know a lot of things. And so he's doing the kinds of things that kids do as they're growing up, testing their boundaries. He wants to try to drive. He wants, you know, Finch drives this motorhome that they're using to escape in and the robot watches him drive and the robot wants to drive, mm-hmm. you know, he wants to try driving and Finch goes, no, you're not ready for it yet. So at one point they stop and Finch goes into this, um, uh, what used to be a cafe. And mm-hmm. so the, the robot jumps into the driver's seat of the, <laughs> of the motor home and just starts pretending like he's driving, you know, making the noises and turning the yep. wheel and stuff. Just like, just like a five-year-old would or whatever. Exactly. And then all of a sudden he accidentally hits something and the brake comes loose and the motor home just starts rolling ahead and Finch is sitting at the, at the table in the cafe. And all of a sudden he sees the motor home rolling away and he goes, no, no, no. Because, he knows that he 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 didn't have his spacesuit with him because he parked right. underneath the canopy that was like a was gas shaded. station cafe kind of a thing. And he had parked under the canopy and he had gotten out without his spacesuit just to walk into the cafe real quick. So he's sitting at a table with his dog. They're pretending to order off the menu, you know, kind of a cute little scene. And then all of a sudden the motorhome rolls away. Well, it rolls out to the end of the parking lot and it's out in the sun and he's got no way to get back to it. So now he has to really talk the robot through learning how to drive it to back it up so that he and the dog can get in. And um, after that, he decides maybe it's time to teach him how to drive for real because uh-huh. this yeah, almost it, resulted in their death. Yeah, there's a scene in there where, you know, he, he, he tells the robot, he tells Jeff is the robot's name. He tells Jeff, hey, look, I know you were just born yesterday. Uh, but you need to grow up and you need to grow up fast. And and this movie is kind of that journey as well of where Jeff has to grow up and become a young adult, if you will, very, very fast. But he's, he's also got tendencies, like you mentioned, he, he's a gigantic kid, right? This, yeah. this robot. And um, uh, that, that scene you were talking about where the motorhome is rolling down and it bumps into another car and stops, you know, when Jeff gets out, uh, Finch is like, hey, buddy, what? What's going on? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. Did you, I was like, did, you, did you touch anything? I didn't touch anything, but oh, it looks like, I mean, this this moved a little bit. It looks like yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, and it, it's it's very funny, and he's got a, he's got a personality, and it's it's like watching a, an excited kid a lot of the times. Um, this is the scene here where he's he's teaching him how to drive, and 
and and, and Jeff is getting the hang of it. But uh, uh, yeah, it, it's it was pretty incredible on how they how they had this robot go through, you know, from from young adult to to, to teenage to, to adult years and the span of a this film here having to grow up quickly and deal with real life situations. Right. So and, when I first saw the trailer, and it's cool, like the I definitely could hear the emotion and the well, mm-hmm. the great voice acting on the road it of the robot. It almost sounded like Alan Alan Tudyk at first mm-hmm. from Firefly and a oh, bunch yeah. of other TV shows. Mm-hmm. But then I just looked it up, and it's the actor who played the asshole brother from Get Out, which mm-hmm. is kind oh, of yeah. yeah. I didn't realize that because yep. if you've seen Get Out, that yeah. character is. Well, the actor and, plays it very well. <laughs> yeah, and and what was great about it is there's so much emotion and confusion and um, never really anger, though, but there, there's a broad range of emotions that the robot displays throughout the movie. And I thought it was done really, really well in how that, that, that actor brought out the voice and, and what that, that might sound like in a moment. Um, it, it was pretty interesting because, again, this robot is going through this for the first time for a lot of things. So um, as he starts to get older in terms of hours, I guess you would say, um, uh, you really see him start to grow, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. And um, it's it's interesting because, you know, um, as, the, as this road trip commences, and most of the show is this road trip uh, in this motor home, um, of course, throughout the journey, um, Tom Hanks' character is getting sicker and sicker and requires more and more rest. Mm-hmm. And so the the robot, um, you know, he's learning things as he goes along, but obviously he's not there yet, but he really wants to help. And so a lot of times when Finch is asleep because he's so tired and exhausted, the robot will see an opportunity because, uh, oh, there's one point where... Uh, Finch is teaching him how to go into a building and look for like supplies they need, whether mm-hmm. it's medical supplies or canned food or stuff like that. And um, he's telling him, you know, never, uh, I can't remember how he says it, never pass on an opportunity or something like that. And so um, Finch is sleeping and the robot's driving and the robot sees, uh, knows that Finch is sick. And uh, sees a sign for a hospital ahead in Denver. And so the robot says, you know, never, uh, never pass an opportunity or something like that. So the robot initiative, initiative, <laughs> yeah, initiative. So the robot drives to the hospital, which, of course, is a big trap, uh, you know, uh, with uh, not so not so pleasant people lying in wait. And um, which which almost results in a, another huge disaster. Um, so it it was interesting watching it go along because you can see the robot doing things, and you realize the robot does not realize the inherent danger in what it's doing. It's it's doing what it it's seen so far, uh, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the whole picture, and so that provides a lot of drama and a lot of tension in the show, which I think is good. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Linda? Oh, um, I, I'm with Seth. I wish I hadn't seen it. <laughs> you wish you hadn't seen it? It was sad. Even, it, I mean, I mean, it was, I liked it because it was, um, 
because of the robot, he had the personality huh. that that made it um, less sad, I guess. But I mean, it was it's an, an apocalyptic movie. There, I mean, it had sad. It had a happy ending, though. I don't know it that did. I'd call that a happy ending. I, I I would because you knew you knew it was coming. Right. Yeah. He's right. been sick the whole film. He's only getting worse. The question became, does he make it to the end of the journey? Right. And the question becomes, is the dog going to be okay? Who's who's going to be okay? And they, and they did a good job of portraying that, yes, um, you know, Jeff had to grow a lot and uh, everything will be okay. Yeah, and I guess. But it was still sad. <laughs> it, it was sad. And, and you know, it, it hits you right in the fields. Um, but it, it, it's also, you know, to me, I kind of viewed it like, uh, um, I just brain farted on the movie, um, huh. book of Eli, I think, yeah. um, where, yeah. where, you know, you have this, this journey you have to make and you get to the end and, um, you know, the main character that you've gotten attached to doesn't make it to the end. So, um, but yeah, this oh, is, spoiler um, alert, guess who dies? Yeah. And, <laughs> and so that, that they hit you right in the feels, but. Yeah, uh, Jeff is kind of that anchor there, where it's almost like uh, uh, Finch's legacy gets moves on because yeah. he tells a story about why he has a why he's always had a hard time trusting people, and he was part of a project to, to kind of merge software and hardware together uh, to build like this this type of robot, and they were having problems, and and the engineering team he was working with thought it was the hardware, and he said, no, it's something wrong with the software. Um, so he solved the problem himself, um, you know, gave credit to the whole team and everything, but he, as he's explaining this to, to Jeff, Jeff's like, I don't understand. Like you're trying to teach me that I should trust people yet. You didn't trust your team. You just said that you did, you know, you gave everybody credit, but you, you at the heart did not trust your team. Um, so there, there was a struggle there, but as, as you, as Jeff grows, so does Finch in that regard, because now he has to trust this robot right this, this this however many days old by the time we get to the end of the film uh, yeah. he's got to trust this robot to take care of the thing he cares most about which is the dog so yeah. as a post-apocalyptic movie solar flare are you left feeling like there's hope for humanity or no yeah i, I think so it, it was certain parts of the earth that were completely damaged um and the end of the movie leaves you thinking that um there are some areas that were beyond hope that were heavily radiated that that had um still what what did he call it um swiss cheese in the sky yeah swiss oh. cheese holes in the ozone swiss yeah. cheese holes in the in the uh, in the ozone um you know when they get to the destination which is san francisco um even just outside of there uh, you know up to a few hundred miles they find that not everything was destroyed Mm-hmm. Um, they find signs of life. Yeah, you can I actually was... see him out in the sun. Yeah, I, I mean, he's yeah. sitting in the sun, and it's okay to be out. He's not burning yep. because it's it's covered. Yeah, and I thought it was more of a case where um, there the the ozone had been Swiss cheesed to a great extent, mm-hmm. and that the entire planet was pretty much destroyed. Uh, life was destroyed, but now the planet is beginning to heal itself Mm -hmm. and so you see uh they're driving along in the motorhome and they're getting close to san francisco and they uh a butterfly uh hits the windshield (laughs) right Mm -hmm. and and the robot's driving and the robot's like 
you know, why I, I didn't do it. I, you know, I didn't mean to kill it, you know, kind of a thing. The robot's yeah. freaking out, you know. And of course, Finch is like, holy shit, you know, he gets out and and uh, he just can't believe there's a robot. And then you see yeah. little dots of plants starting to grow on the mountainside. And uh, so it's like, you know, the earth is healing itself. Uh, a little but bit of hope. Yeah. But of course, it's too late for Finch. And, and Linda, put up that one uh, picture you had of uh, Finch and the robot sitting there with Finch wearing the white suit. Um, sure. Yeah. So one of the reasons they're going to San Francisco was that he had an uncle um, that lived in San Francisco that he admired quite a bit. Um, but or no, I guess it was. He, yeah, they cleared that up. Yeah, yeah. It he wasn't, told he said Finch it was his uncle. Yeah, he right. told Finch it was his uncle. It was really his dad who left them when he was just a kid. Um, but he uh, he always thought that one day he got a, a birthday card from him at one point in his life when he was 19 or something like something that. Like, that. like a postcard, yeah. right? A, a postcard, yeah, that said happy birthday kind of a thing. And he wanted to go meet his dad and show him that he had turned out a success in his life. And so uh, when he was, when he got out of the military, I guess he bought that white suit with the intention of going there. But of course, life got in the way and he never made it, but he always kept the white suit. And so as they're getting close to San Francisco in this scene, um, at this point, Finch realizes he's not going to make it to San Francisco. This is, this is the last day that he's going to be around. Mm -hmm. There it is. Yeah. And so, so he, he puts, enjoys this wonderful meal out yep. in the sun. Yeah. Chilling in a suit, plays catch with the dog, has a nice chat with uh with Jeff. And yeah, you just get the sense that the time is running out. And and I thought honestly he was just gonna die right there in the chair, but yeah. Uh yeah. But he didn't, but he uh eventually he uh he goes into the, the motorhome to uh rest. Well, and says goodbye to Finch. And of course, Finch realizes what's happening, that he's it's the final goodbye. He goes in there with the dog. And then eventually, after sometime after sunset, you hear the dog howling. <laughs> Sorry. It's a little yeah, emotional. See, see even it's now. awful. It's <laughs> awful. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's worth, I definitely recommend watching it. It was a good show. I thought yeah. it was, uh, it was cute the way that Finch kept trying to throw the ball for the dog. And the dog was like, didn't want to have anything to do with him pretty much. And then uh, after Tom Hanks passes away, he throws the, he starts throwing the ball and the dog finally starts playing. You with mean him. Jeff? Jeff, yeah. Yeah. Jeff? Jeff is the robot. Finch is, Finch is Tom Hanks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty hilarious. He kept selling, telling Finch, the dog doesn't like me. The dog doesn't like me, <laughs> you know, because the dog, well, of course the dog wants to bring the ball to his master. So he would right. just run around Finch all the time and finch was just getting so dejected because of that but then yeah, finally so at the cute. end the next day the dog brings him the ball and that that cheers up finch because i mean um jeff because of course he's terribly depressed having lost his friend finch so right yeah so it was definitely a a, a great movie i would recommend watching it it's very entertaining uh, a lot of feels uh in it and uh a very happy ending i thought so um, definitely worth watching. If someone's interested in making it a double feature, uh, another solar flare slash robot movie I watched for the group is Automata. 
which is uh, from 2014, won some independent film awards. It's, it stars Antonio Banderas. So basically the same thing, like solar flares, 99.7% of the world has been wiped out. And uh, they've created these pockets of protected areas from the radiation, from the desert that is spreading across the earth trying to survive. And, and it's almost like a Blade Runner-esque communities, like these mm. cities that people are kind of living somewhat what we would recognize lifestyles. I mean, there are ghettos that, you know, poor people who don't have as many resources or, or, or don't work live in. And what they have done, because this is 2044, to help hold back the desert and the creeping uh, radiation was built these robots, uh, pilgrims, that are supposed to do all the work in the radiation and the heat and the poor area like the poor areas that they don't want humans exposed to to help protect the the lives of the humans that are left and antonio banderas plays an, an insurance claims uh investigator oh. because he claims action he, hero huh insurance claims action claims hero action hero yeah, so <laughs> because the robots have two protocols you mm -hmm. never do anything to harm a human or another life, and you never uh, alter anything of yourself or another robot. Like these are two supposedly, cannot you cannot protocols. violate these protocols. By the way, they, they had similar types of protocols in the, the movie Finch as well. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the big thing is you come to find out that especially the second reason for the protocol or for the, the reason for the protocol tool never, to never be able to alter yourself is they don't want these robots to outpace themselves, outpace humanity that they can't keep up with them anymore. Like their intelligence and their ability to mm -hmm. function without the needs of humans or out from under control of humans would be unmanageable, but that's not widely known. Antonio Banderas is just supposed to investigate when someone's like, hey, this robot killed my dog. He checks, was the protocol in place? Is everything fine? So what happens is a cop comes across a robot that appears to be fixing itself and they have to do a claim on it because that should be impossible. And when he starts investigating, he keeps finding these other information that like, maybe it's not just this robot, it's another robot because he finds multiple pieces of other robots that have serial numbers on this one uh, mm -hmm. robot that the cop has shot in the head. And he, they're trying to figure it out because if they can't find a, a reason that's a cause by the either the owner or whoever had the robot, then the company itself has to pay for it. And there's so much money and damage because these robots are super expensive and they don't want it. And they're trying to create a good look for the local government that there's nothing to worry about with these robots because they're trying to renew some type of contract with the local city. Interesting. Yeah, I think the line from the trailer that like really interested me with this second law is like one robot changes another. Those two robots each change two more and we've lost. Yeah. And so it's really interesting. So the company wants to definitely find out how many robots are fixing themselves, get that back, and and they need to kill whoever or 
suppress whoever might know that this can be a possible outcome with the robots. So, you know, Antonio Banderas gets chased out of the city and is rescued by uh, robots who are trying to take materials because they've kind of discovered too from the corpse of the first robot, we meet they're stealing pieces of other robots. And they're like, what are mm. they doing with this? So he, the robot's like, it's not safe in the city for us. We will take you because he's injured in a car wreck trying to flee the, the agents of the insurance company out to the desert to someplace he doesn't know where, mm-hmm. where they're this purpose of um, doing something because they can obviously alter themselves and what's going to be the, the whole big outcome leads to very interesting and philosophical conversations. What is it to be alive? Are you actually alive if you're only surviving? Um, Is it really such a terrible thing if man doesn't make it, but he has created these robots to continue existence and create for him? You know, like they're, he's like they're experienced so that humanity's experience can continue through AI versus uh, intelligent creative AI versus flesh. So um, unlike Finch, which focused on like one character and a little bit of society and, you know, the robot and the dog, you really get more of what is society trying to do after a big apocalypse? How, what are they going to do to still control members and, and justify, you know, the ends justify the means in spite of an apocalypse, that money is still an obsession and power is still an obsession. Mm-hmm. But then how might the technology we create to help us go to areas that we would never even consider and, and those being our descendants. Mm-hmm. So it was really, uh, it, I don't want to get into too much detail because I would say it's worth like watching and checking out and, Sounds kind of thought-provoking. Yeah, it is. It's philosophically thought-provoking. And they don't try and wrap it all up at all the little details because I think they want to leave those questions open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's it it was worth watching for sure. That's one of the things that I think I envy robots. Uh the sophisticated enough robots of the future would be their ability to modify themselves and make themselves better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing people, people typically don't operate on themselves and replace their own parts. Whereas, you know, a, a sufficient, sufficiently advanced robot could be able to do that. It's time to upgrade my optic sensors to the <laughs> IIs five. Right. Right. So I've seen a couple of, uh, these pictures here where it kind of shows some mechanics underneath uh, Antonio Banderas' skin is that a yeah. or something? That's, That's what I was news. wondering. <laughs> That's fake news. They aren't yeah. pulling a Blade Runner on us. No, there's there no because the these robots don't are not they don't look really human at all. They're more mechanical. It's just in the course of trying to investigate who might be altering. He calls it the clockmaker. Who might be altering the robots? Because there's no way a, a robot should be able to do this. So, so he's thinking there has to be a person. There's a person doing this. And if I can mm-hmm. find this person, I can fix the problem and get a transfer. Because he just wants to get out of that particular pod of survival city and find mm-hmm. another city 
that right. hopefully would have more hope. And he finds this robot that has the human face because uh, an underground doctor or scientist in the ghetto uh, has added features to this particular robot for a brothel. Uh, I okay. see. I see this more as, and during the course of the movie, and I haven't seen it, but it, this picture makes me think he becomes more. Uh, I don't know, aware of the robotics or the robots, how it works, and she, she being the robot, becomes more aware of human emotions. Yeah, because of the tear there. Because of the tear, yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's like one of the things she learns, they have this conversation about. She's like. She asks a question about what happened that humans can't be in the rain anymore. What happened? He's like, I don't know. You should, you should be able to tell me because in his mind, it's a science thing. She's like, I don't know. I'm still learning. I did not know until today that humans could kill another human. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Because it hurt because that even though they're free and independent, they still have the first protocol of do not harm another human. Right. Gotcha. I gotta watch that one. It looks good. Yeah. So, like, from a programmer's perspective, (laughs) it's usually... So you said something, Jenna, it's like, this shouldn't be able to happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that is 100% being a programmer, is hearing about something and then going, oh, this shouldn't be able to happen. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. Yep. I, I fixed that. that. <laughs> but I, it, it really was like that, that, that kind of the whole question of what are we going to be willing to do to survive something? And if we're just surviving as a society, are we living? And it kind of, and I think also because we're in a pandemic where a lot of people have argued if we're afraid and we're masked everywhere, we're not really living, we're just surviving, and that's an intolerable. Right. It's not a solar environment. That's like, even though this was made in 2014, you could see echoes of that mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. And and of course, uh, his wife in this because he's trying to get back to the city. He's trying to fix the situation because she's pregnant, mm. like due any day. And you get the impression that she's the one who wanted this, not him. And he doesn't. He's does is not sure. If there's a point. Why would you bring a child into this? Right. Honey, I ran off with the robot prostitute. But... <laughs> yeah. But I'm with you. Antonio Banderas runs off with the prostitute. Yes. Nice. So, well, uh, but it was interesting because I think they, they were pretty true. Because, like, you see him the farther they go into the, they get to the desert, he was hurt anyway from the accident, but there's radiation. Uh, and and you're left with by the end of the movie like did he even survive i you know i'll leave it to the viewer to decide but i would say so what was that one on again so it's on it's free on the roku channel and i think on prime it's like maybe one of those two dollar movies you can rent i'm not Uh, sure but um it was yeah i it was an interesting i felt well executed movie because they didn't overly humanize the robots i mean they they, you you figure out that she only feels more 
emotional or human because she's trying to learn and they there's this face but the face is just a it's a trap (laughs) she is just a robot right interesting all right well um in keeping with the the theme of death from space um, (laughs) but shifting to something a little more humorous uh netflix has a new show coming out um on uh a movie not a show i guess a movie coming out on is it Netflix or only theater? I thought it was only going to come out in theater right now. No, I thought it's uh, coming out on Netflix. I saw a thing that said it's coming out on Netflix December 24th. It came out in the theater on okay. December 10th. Net- oh, okay. It's going to be on Netflix uh, December 24th. Okay. Um, so if you haven't seen it yet, uh, you might want to check it out. Uh, the name of the movie is Don't Look Up. And uh, it's got Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep. Wow. Uh, Ariana Grande is in it. Uh, Jonah Hill, who's hilarious. Um, I like him in just about anything I see him in. And also, also uh, Timothy Chalamet, who uh, you oh, might Chalamet? know from Dune. Yeah, did I say his name wrong? Chalamet, sorry. Yeah, Chalamet. Right. I played Paul in uh, Dune. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Chris Evans is in it. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, so the whole um, premise of the, the uh, show, and um, here I'll throw up a quick uh, picture. Uh, oh, here. I was working on it. <laughs> oh, um, share. <clears throat> there it is. Um, yeah, so this is a picture um, of the two lead characters in the show. Um and they're um, asteroid hunters, uh, from what I gather, uh, since I haven't seen it yet. But they're asteroid hunters, and they see this giant uh, extinction-level event asteroid headed towards the Earth. And uh, so if you watch the trailer, um, you'll see uh, they immediately go to the White House to, you know, we've got to inform the government and let people know so that some sort of action can be taken uh, to either prevent this or to somehow ensure the survival of man or whatever. Anyway, they go and they, they break the news to the White House and, uh, you know, the president's there and the chief of staff and all these uh, other science advisors to the White House are there and they tell them, yeah, it's basically going to destroy the planet. And they're like, well, all right. Well, you've given us a lot to think about. We'll um, we'll consider this. Let's get back to you. And they're like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what?" And so they just kind of the the uh, the government just kind of blows them off. And um, so uh, anyway, uh, they uh, end up going on the talk show circuit. Uh, to try to get the news out to the to the the public and uh it's it's uh just ridiculous because the talking heads on the on the uh, talk show circuit um just ignore the dramatic repercussions of the fact that the world's gonna end and they're talking about how emotional the the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the scientists are you know yeah. oh well i guess we won't be having her back on the show kind of a thing yeah i'll point out that that because uh, again we haven't seen it but as far as the preview goes it, it's it's there's some satire 
on some events and how they allow them to play out in this movie. And some of it is largely in part borrowed from some things that may or may not have happened uh, already in politics and in the media. So there is a lot of poking at, at uh, past politicians and what they've done uh, and past media outlets and what they've done and, and how, from a satire point of view, how they might handle taking news like this and what might go down. Um, and some of it, I think, is a bit tongue-in-cheek, and some of it is probably to be expected. Yeah, and uh, there there was a, a little article that I read where they interviewed uh, an actual um, asteroid hunter who was uh, hired as a consultant on the show to make sure that they got the dialogue right and the science behind the whole thing right. Um, and uh, she said, you know, she had a discussion with the director and um, they had a great conversation about the show and about making a movie that tackled a lot of uh, subjects that are sort of prevalent in the news today. And that has to deal with science denialism mm -hmm. and the importance of understanding and agreeing what is true and what is fact. And uh, so I think it, it pre presents that uh, from what I can tell in a very um, consumable um, digestible fashion for people and maybe hopefully will prompt a little thought into the fact that, you know, maybe some of this should be, some of this science should be taken more seriously and um, hopefully that uh, people can see the importance of agreeing on a common set of facts um, going forward. So I, I think it's, looks like a really funny show, but with an important message as well. So mm -hmm. Yeah, I really want to see it, but also part of me kind of doesn't want to because I'm like, it's maybe going to make me sad because I'm yeah, like, yeah, was, that's how it's going to go down. I was <laughs> gonna say, oh, I made right. myself sad. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I like I first saw the trailer and I immediately had to put repost it to uh, you know our group because I was like, this this could be exactly what we need right now because the world at times has felt that ridiculous. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Agreed. Yeah. So anyway, um, definitely uh, looking forward to watching that. Um, and then, of course, uh, we'll be talking about uh, up, upcoming shows. The uh, new season of The Witcher is out. Two episodes in. Uh, oh, really? Uh, we're going to be starting it uh, uh, just before New Year's, I think. So um, looking forward to getting into that. And of course, the last episode of The Wheel of Time is uh coming out this this week so uh, or this coming week so looking mm -hmm. forward to that and um, i'm looking forward to getting caught up on a lot of stuff over the christmas break yeah since some some of us get christmas break still and some of us don't <laughs> you don't get a christmas break no i don't get i don't live on college timing and hours like like seth i uh, oh. i have to work through the holidays i just i just took the last couple of weeks off so i i'll starting like yesterday i'm gonna start getting caught up on everything <laughs> well, uh, yeah nice. i figure i'll have three months next year anyway to just get caught up on everything True <laughs> that. there you go <laughs> all right well thank you all for uh tuning in for uh this episode of the Galactic Driftwood podcast. As always, you can check us out on galacticdriftwood.space and follow up, listen to our other shows. Um, and you can check out our partner podcasts on synergynation.net. Syn is spelled S-Y-N, nation.net. 
Um, and on that note, um, have a happy new year and we're looking forward to a lot of great shows and a lot of great uh, movies coming up in 2022. Yay. Take care, y'all. We will see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.